Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. Time now for... You gotta love football, man. It's like playing football when you little kid in the backyard. Overreaction Monday! Go Tigers, go Tigers. Thank you, guys. Go Tigers. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod Monday, overreaction time. Actually, we have to answer one of the uh, questions from last week. How drunk did Pete get at the Texas-Oklahoma game the night before? This will likely disappoint you, but uh, I was uh, I was in bed by midnight, and uh, I did go out and have a little bit of Mexican food, saw some people, had had two margaritas, and then uh, went over to one of the team hotels and had a uh, another drink. It was like suburban, sprawl, boring Dallas. I missed all of the good anger, rhetoric, screaming, boomer, all of it. I completely, I completely whiffed. As your Red River correspondent, I failed on my obligations. And then last night, I stayed up until 1 a.m. writing the takeaways column. So it was not a it was not a stellar performance for our podcast listeners expecting tales of debauchery. But fried food at the state fair? I did not eat any fried food. Boo this man! What was the point of this trip? <laughs> why, why did we send him? Why did we send him? What? So here's the thing about the state fair. It all gets like easily given to you as like, oh, deep fried turkey legs with, you know, stromboli in them or whatever. And it's like, it's a massive state fair. It's not like it. there's a map when you walk in and it's like, oh, there's the fettuccine Alfredo balls that are fried or whatever. So I bet like, there's a map. I bet there's a map. <laughs> when I was leaving, I was kind of hungry. But I knew I needed to watch the end of the 3.30 games. And, like, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a sign for brisket tacos. And I was like, oh, I like tacos. I like brisket. And then I, like, walked around the corner, and the line was, like, 40 people deep. And I was like, whatever, I need to get an Uber. Like, I Ubered down there from my hotel. And I was just like, I just got to get out of here. Logistically, that place is just a mess. And by then, everyone was just hammered. Like, the Oklahoma fans were giddy hammered. The Texas fans were, like, angry hammered. And I was, like, really sober and wearing a tie. So, yeah, I, I am... This may really surprise our listeners, but I was no fun. I can understand, like, you know, Friday, Saturdays, it's, it's a work day. It's a business day. But what happened Friday? What, wait, wait, where was, we needed you there at the Anatole, you know, cataloging Oklahomans falling face down hammered. Uh, <laughs> and you like, you know, doing shots with these people. I, 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 I failed to see how that you'd failed to capitalize on, on, on the Friday night debauchery. You were had an assignment. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to be reflected in my bonus it might 
I uh, I had to wake up at six forty five to get down there because I just that thing what? is a traffic and logistic nightmare, as both of you Thank know from God. doing it. And I was just like, you know what? I don't want to deal. So, it's an um, you know, man. most people would be happy that I broke the news that Grant Carcaterra wasn't going to play because he was sitting out and <laughs> that because I was there early before the game. I learned that. But nope, not on this podcast. They don't care about no. incremental scoops. They just want <laughs> tales of fried debauchery. And I did order two acai bowls while in Dallas, by the way, which oh, just, like, is completely counter oh. to, to anything <laughs> You and our our listeners probably wanted to hear. Uh, we had such hopes for you, such, no, such you dreams, didn't. no, you such didn't. aspirations. I thought we <laughs> that had inspired you to 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 change well, I, your ways. I knew actually that you wouldn't eat. I knew you would eat wrong. <laughs> I just hoped maybe you'd get a few drinks in Saturday night, Friday night. So. I just wanted to. I, you could have been sober down there, observing. Oh, it's always fun to be the sober guy amidst like super drunk fans, Dan. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall on that sword. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do with you right now. I'm not real <laughs> happy with you right now. <laughs> Might have to have a meeting. See if he's you know suspended yeah. from the pod for a week. Podcast if I get if I get a call from HR tomorrow, this is gonna be really weird. <laughs> like <laughs> this is what you did is exactly what the other podcasts do. <laughs> get a good uh, there's an applebee's near the fairfield inn i'll get over there and watch the friday night game <laughs> we strive our our audience demands a higher level <laughs> all right whatever i will say this like i hadn't covered that game in a few years and it is awesome it was a beautiful day a little morning chill in the air when i got there the state fair is such a cool backdrop the cotton bowl it's like, uh, you know, it's it's fall apart a little bit, but it's, it's got some historic cachet and, you know, split down the middle. It was awesome. It was it was such a uh, such a cool environment. I saw Frank Beamer on the field before the game and his son Shane is the uh, associate head coach and uh, special teams coach at Oklahoma. And he had never been and he was fired up. Shane told me after the game that his dad thought it was awesome. Urban Meyer had never been to the game. He texted me after the game and was just like, that was like, wow, that was something like it is a it is a total experience to to all of the people who don't listen to us for like the bone appetite food and drink part of the podcast, but actually like football and going to games like it is a bucket list must go chill bump. Really cool scene. Well, I bet Beamer got after some fried food. Maybe we should have him <laughs> on the podcast. He'd tell us what the hell's going on. Uh... He, That's it. I'm, I'm I'm putting in an interview <laughs> request with Oklahoma for Shane and for Frank to find out what Frank ate. Well, Coach he was Beamer. There. No way Beamer did not go to a food cart. <laughs> no. All right. I could see Beamer eating a fried Twinkie. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. How? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, now. Also, part and parcel of the the great scene and everything. I mean, those teams hate each other. Oh yeah, right. I mean the the pregame fracas, and it was pretty hilarious. I mean, Lincoln Riley had said we're not going to do the horns down thing, and like as soon as they show them coming out of the tunnel, they're all going horns <laughs> down. You know? I mean, it was it was uh, it was a spicy affair from from before the get go. You guys have obviously been to enough games like I have, where you're like five years from now, I'm going to remember one thing about this game. One thing I definitely remember is Mike Defee, the referee who I'd never heard of before yesterday, 
completely beef ref. That's what he's known as beef ref with the big, with the guns. Yeah. All right. I'm, I got all. Yes. He has huge guns. He's like a, he's yeah. like a JVE Ed Hockley. <laughs> get him a little, get him a little HGH and he could, he could arm wrestle Hockley for like in some like weird zebra arm wrestling contest. So he throws the double flag on both sides, obviously, before the game. Every player got a penalty, 15-yard penalty, which actually Unfair. didn't large because any unsportsmanlike conduct mean you'd get thrown out. It was it was like the warning is kind of the warning is kind of gone. But he, after that, fell in love with the sound of his own voice. It was like a one-act play during the coin toss. He was like, this is the greatest rivalry in all of sports, and the sportsmanship has to make it. And he was just talking and talking. And the people in the press box were just peeing their pants laughing. Someone tap old Mike DeFee on the shoulder and tell him everybody didn't pay two grand for their tickets in the Cotton Bowl today to hear Mike DeFee lecture us on uh, sportsmanship. And then so after the game, there's a pool reporter, which there should have been. The pool reporter did a good job went in and got quotes from Mike DeFee about that because it is, I, I don't, it's certainly not unprecedented because it happened later uh, later on in the night, uh, I think at USC Notre Dame game, but it's rare, especially in a game of this magnitude, to have two penalties thrown on every player on every team before the game starts. But Mike DeFee's pool report is two sides and he was like, like an emotional mess during it all. Like what happened out there is an embarrassment to everyone. It shouldn't happen at the end of the day. That's why we did what we did and issued a warning. Unfortunately, you put that. And I learned this UNS on sportsmanlike conduct. That's what the ref, the little ref code for it on everybody in any action that results in an additional UNS results in disqualification. He had a couple other, uh, he called it. I don't, I don't like that blanket. Unsportsmanlike conduct. It's it's legitimately profiling by a by a police like figure. <laughs> Never thought all about the guys from Oklahoma. Just you got. I mean, what if you just totally minding your own business? The holder didn't put horns down, right? Right. Why is the holder? You're just guy? the holder. You're just a guy. You're over on the bench, just sitting there nicely, doing your thing, sitting there nicely, maybe knitting or something, <laughs> right? Recording a reading to the blind message. I don't know. <laughs> Hitting on cheerleaders if you went to Mississippi or if you went to Arkansas. Yeah. You, because you were in the same uniform as these other miscreants at midfield, get a penalty also. I disagree. You just have your own teammates to blame then. Here was why I didn't have a problem with it was... If you watch the game, like the first quarter, usually in a big game, the first half of the first quarter is just littered with players pushing, shoving, yakking in each other's faces and referees trying to separate them and trying not to throw flags. That was none of that in this game. Everybody just went and played football for the first 15 minutes. I So I was fine with it because it was a good deterrent to the usual junk that happens between plays. No problems here. Well, anyway, Oklahoma won. Jalen Hurts pointed out after, says he's got to be maybe the only guy to ever win the Red River shootout, and we're sticking with that, and the Iron Bowl. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty good. All right, so I want to ask you guys, halfway through the season, season's half over, seven weeks in, I think the second half of the year is going to be fantastic. We are really set up for great games, great teams, matchups, the whole thing. Maybe a little slow in the first half, but the second half is going to be great. I want to know who's number one in your book and what your top seven order looks like. There are seven major undefeated teams. Alabama, number one, and LSU is number two right now in the AP poll. Clemson's three, Ohio State four. We got Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Penn State fall down. There are other unbeatens. 
Boise, Baylor, Minnesota, SMU, Appalachian State. We're just going to assume they aren't really in the mix. And then there's some one-loss teams that could still make a playoff, but we'll we'll leave them out. Notre Dame, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, all that. Oregon. Just your top seven of these seven. What would your order be? So they got Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Penn State. Pat 40, what would your order be? Yeah, it wouldn't be that. Although I'm pleasantly surprised the voters moved LSU up that high because usually, you know, they, they're such the little lockstep voters. You know, well, we can't move my head of Clemson because Clemson won too, you know, even though Clemson played a bad Florida State team and LSU played a good team. So my here would be my top seven. One, LSU. Two, Wisconsin. Three, Ohio State. Four, Oklahoma. Five, Alabama. Six, Clemson, seven, Penn State. So I've got the number one team. I've got number five. The number two team in the coaches poll, three in the writers poll. Clemson, I've got number six. I am not buying those two. There's just been teams that have played better than them so far. Well, first of all, I really like Pat's like mock voter voice. I think we need more of that on the podcast where he just like <laughs> channels into the voters' minds and gives us that voice. That was really good perspective. So. That was good. Yeah, no. So there's uh, there's more of that from the macro. My my seven would be a little different than Pat's seven, but I think like there's a chance that this could be really neat. In you know, once the next half of the season's over, or it could be just a complete disaster of a mess, which would be beautiful, of course, because as our listeners know, we root for chaos on this podcast at all costs. Look, right now, if you know Alabama and LSU are going to cancel, one of them is going to beat the other one, and. In theory, if Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma are all undefeated, which one of them will probably lose because teams always lose, but if if they remain undefeated and there's one undefeated SEC team, I think that's it. Now, you could have arguments for LSU – you know, because they beat Texas, jumping someone. But I don't really think you'd get a one-loss team above any of those three undefeated, even if – Clemson doesn't play anyone, which it looks like they're they're hell-bent on not playing anyone right now. So that's the neat option. But then the messy option is a team from the West goes to the SEC title game. Uh, a, a good but not great Georgia team upsets them. Then you've got a couple one-loss SEC teams, and there, there could be like a whole like sordid mess, which would be great because it would finally expand the playoff. But yeah, like like right now, I, I really like this group of teams here. Like it's uh, – there's, there's arguments for each. They're all very different. Wisconsin is clearly the outlier. I don't believe they were ranked to start the season. You know, here they are just – I mean, they have four shutouts. They haven't given up a first-half touchdown. They've been just a juggernaut. And so, like, it's it's exciting to me to have a little bit of new blood. Penn State certainly played well and pr- proved themselves it, it, at Iowa the other uh, the other night. So, bring on this this finish i agree with you and i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a great finish and there are uh there just are a complete collaboration of chaos theories that could delight and i would start with lsu's number one probably put o- oklahoma number two uh and you know go down from there i agree alabama just hasn't had to play anybody yet they've looked all right nothing wrong with them they may end up winning this thing but clemson just isn't going to play anyone all year and that's kind of odd and and i don't know if they are possibly in threat even if they're undefeated or not i can't imagine them not getting in as undefeated team yeah um but you certainly could create some scenario i guess what's intriguing to me is ohio state and wisconsin are might play twice Mm -hmm. yeah yeah weird 
Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's probably going to have to play Texas again. I don't know. We'll see. See where Texas is on this thing, which is odd. But the rematch of the Ohio State-Wisconsin showdown, and then they get a second game is, is odd. And Ohio uh, State's going to play Penn State, too. Yeah, Ohio State's going to play Penn State, but they wouldn't play them twice. So you got no, Penn State's going to have a chance. But out of these, out of this top seven, there's a lot of other Oklahoma and Clemson are the only ones in the top seven that aren't playing another team in the top seven. Right, right. They have to cruise. I may point out, apparently, I'm the only one who did the homework assignment. We were all going to rank the top seven. I ain't hearing any rankings out either. You two, uh, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Alabama, Clemson, Penn State. That's my list. Okay, I did it. I right. was going to bore the audience by. That's why I didn't read mine off because I just didn't want to start rattling off lists. So yours are to... so authoritative, Pat, and you channeled the voice of the voters. I just figured, how could I top that? I Penn State okay. has to prove it. They're there are there was a that was a nice win at Iowa, but it's a win at Iowa. I mean, their their schedule's been pretty easy right now, so they still got something to prove to me. First James Franklin road win over a ranked team in his yeah. time at Penn State. Yep. Now one and six. Yep. Yep. But still, like I, I don't know, I'm never gonna like downplay a road conference win against a ranked team. It's, oh, it's at, a good at win. Night. It's a good win. Yeah. yeah, like good win. It just isn't beating. Florida by two touchdowns and, you know, I mean, yeah, the LSU-Bama game now is shaping up. Uh, LSU still has to play Auburn at home. Alabama should cruise. Uh, Very easily could be a 1-2 in early November. That has all the trappings of this year's game of the century. Yes. And think of this. The last time it was the game of the century was 2011. They were 1-2, and the score was 9-6. This time it could be... 49-46. 49-46. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the transformation of both teams. With it, Pat, that's a great point. Like, it's been the transformation of college football, you know? Like, the whole yep. sport has has completely overhauled the way it looks, the way it's played, the way it's recruited, the way the games are called. Everything has changed since that night. Yep. Except the traffic mm-hmm. coming out of Al- an Alabama game at night. <laughs> Yeah, down McFarland Boulevard trying to get to 2059 to get back to uh, Birmingham. Oh, we've all been there. Yeah, remember that night, Pat? We left Alabama. Yes. It was a different game, and there was, like, the drunkest driver we've ever seen. Oh, my God. Oh. All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we 911'd him. And they were like, you're Got the third him. call. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh God! Yeah, no, it wasn't. You shouldn't even laugh. It was really, yeah. really. No, scary. we were yeah. we were scared. We were going to come across some fireball wreck. You know. Well, I hope it, hope he got arrested. Yeah. No, I mean it's going to be pretty wild. A lot of good games. So I don't know. Do you think there is a scenario like could could any could Clemson get left out undefeated? No, I don't think so either. I you know the voters are the the selection committee and the voters love undefeated. We've we've talked yeah. about that before. You know they love that zero in the loss column more than anything else. But I would like, I would wonder, you know, if if you get, obviously, an SEC champion that's very compelling, a Oklahoma, say you get Oklahoma, you get a very good SEC champion, and then Wisconsin and Ohio State play two slobber knocker games. Each yeah. of them ends up, they split. They're both 12 and 1. I don't know. You know, or or same thing if, if Alabama and LSU, you know, one of them wins wins the SEC at 13 and 1 and the other one's 12 and 1 or 11 and 1 versus and 12 and 1. I, I, it would be interesting. I don't think it would happen, but but boy, it would be some interesting deliberation. Let's say LSU goes to Bama and just pounds them. Yep. Okay. They've got a non-conference win over Texas. They got the their crossover with Florida. They end up twelve and zero going into the SEC title game, and they lose to Georgia on a kick. And they're sitting there at twelve and one, and Clemson's thirteen and zero. But the the metrics are all in LSU's favor. 
would the committee have the courage to pull that off? I don't think I don't so. And I think what we'll know all we need to know about Clemson on the first reveal of the of the college football playoff standings. If they're yeah, in one true. of the four, they're not going to get knocked out by a team yeah, that for going undefeated. Yeah, they're yeah. they're just yep. not. Now, I mean, by merit, they should be amongst these undefeated teams right now. They should be six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could argue, uh, they, no, they they should be with Baylor and Minnesota and Boise. Yeah, they I'd haven't played anybody. They, they I'd beat, put them six. They beat Texas A and M. I home. guess they beat Texas A like, and M. All right, they do have a quality win yeah. there. Yeah, and, and they have a better well, win than than Boise against Florida State. But yeah, they, and just, they just haven't beat had to Florida play. State by half a hundred. So. Yeah, remember when that game used to be fun? <laughs> like, like, like I didn't even like ponder to flip to that game that never in my mind was I like wonder what's going to happen in Florida State Clemson on Saturday like, I remember sitting in Dabo Sweeney's office the week they played them I can't remember what year it was they hadn't beaten them yet and it was like if we can get over this hump Florida State's one of these things we haven't done yet we got to get over I mean it was like this impossible mountain for Clemson to climb was to beat Florida State and now just crush them it's not even close unbelievable yeah i think it was was it 42 nothing at halftime this time or it was i mean it was bad i know that i don't remember exactly but it was ugly all right well it's gonna be pretty wild i it's gonna be a great great stretch run it really is gonna be fun and i love the idea of a one two so anytime you get the one two game so i'm hoping lsu and uh alabama although that auburn man don't sleep on auburn even uh yeah. going into into baton rouge lsu's defense was a little bit Concerned. A little shaky. A little yeah. Shaky. Considering what Oklahoma's defense did to Texas and what Texas did to LSU, like uh, there, there, there could be some, there could be some vulnerabilities. Hold that tiger. <laughs> <laughs> you see, they were, uh, they were uh, smoking gator. <laughs> yeah. See that one? Oh, That's yeah. pretty good. Do you think they ate the gator? That gator they know. had. That might have just been for video purpose, like visuals. You know, I mean, did they really eat that thing? 100 percent ate the thing i love eating gator sully, sully has spoken sully weighs in says he likes yeah. gator i don't want eating gator mid-october sully speaks <laughs> so white meat. i love a little alligator cheesecake or quiche or whatever it is at giacomo's in mm. new orleans but i don't know about like eating like a like yeah. a slice of gator you know yeah, like a, like a swordfish it's like yeah, chicken yeah. chop of i don't want i don't want to yeah i don't want a gator fillet yeah, we finally got our studio set up, and it took a, a eating gator conversation to get a Tennessee grad to start speaking. Yes, I know he's been quiet the whole year. They finally beat Mississippi State, and Sully's getting all chesty here. We're back, baby. One win back in the East. Two and five or two and four, baby. Here yeah. they come. I'd eat the gator because the gator would eat me. I mean, I think it's a fair game. So, in gator news, I have some gator news. Actually, coincidentally, a Florida man. You might might be surprised. He tried to get an alligator drunk. Uh, I guess he needed a drinking buddy. A couple of them, actually. Timothy Kepke and Noah Osborne. One's 27, one's 22. Complaint filed in August with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission stated that Kepke was tempting the alligator to take a bite out of his right forearm while simultaneously pouring a beer down the reptile's throat. The alligator didn't appear to like the beer. There is reportedly unreleased video recording incidents showing the alligator reacting violently, thrashing as it swallows the alcohol. Uh. Kepke reportedly told officials his pal Osborne caught the reptile with his bare hands on the night of August 26th, tried to, to get him to bite him so he could make the pour. How old do you say this Kepke dude is? 
27 and 22, these guys. How did he live to be 27 years old? He got to get the got somebody that's stupid. So I have a number of questions about this. Yes. <laughs> Thank God for public records, by the way. This is why we live in the greatest country in the world. The public records for the Wildlife Foundation have given us this gift. That's Please right. Continue. So, what? <laughs> what? Okay, kind of fun. I've seen people get their dog drunk and stuff. I mean, I've seen it. Okay, um, that's kind of funny. Like they you know, put some beer in the, the bowl, they drink the bowl. But a, an alligator, why? Why do you want them to drink beer? Why would you waste a beer? Must they must yeah. have had the bushel. They must have had all fifty four bushels. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. it. Or they had the bushel and they couldn't quite finish it. The risky play of willing to get your arm, like, okay, maybe you want to try this. Like, hey, wouldn't it be funny to see if we can get an alligator drunk? I mean, I assume <laughs> the alligator can consume a massive quantity of alcohol before you get this thing drunk. But to risk mm. your arm for this, that is commitment to the cause <laughs> that we should all inspire. To bring to our day, that is enthusiasm unmatched, unmatched in the history of mankind. That is stupidity unmatched in the history of mankind. I'm impressed. And then we now know that if you're being attacked by an alligator and you have a beer handy, pour the beer down the alligator's throat. He hates beer. That's it. That's our safety tip out of this. Yes. You are being attacked by an alligator. Keep a keep a beer handy. It's like, you know, bear spray if you're hiking in the woods. <laughs> it's probably right? good we don't have a lot of listeners from PETA on our podcast. I, I, <laughs> I didn't I do it. I'm just I, reading the TorontoSun.com. Don't <laughs> blame me. Take it up with Kepke. <laughs> they were fined twenty five hundred and five thousand dollars. Oh no, they're bonds. They were I guess they were arrested. I don't know. There's an unnamed female who who is a uh who was there. She's the witness. Mm. It's a high quality young lady. <laughs> <laughs> she she hangs out with winners, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I don't know. Guys don't seem too impressed by the gator story. You'll never guess what happened to me last night. <laughs> <laughs> there were those two dudes. <laughs> That's why I went to bed early and got an acai bowl. Stick to stay away from all that reference. This is, this is what you get on farmersonly.com. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. These guys seem really nice. And then I tried to get the alligator to they, they liked animals. They liked pets. All right, let's get to some misery. Michigan State. Oh, boy. Four years ago, four years ago, Mark D'Antonio led Michigan State to the college football playoff. Third Big Ten title in six seasons, and the other one of the other years they lost in the title game. They were rolling. He was only 59. Like, he's in his prime. They had an identity. They took no crap. They gambled on big plays. Little Giants, the fake punt against Notre Dame. They were tough, physical. They were winning recruiting battles in Michigan and Ohio. I mean, they were never going to win the national title. Like they got crushed by Alabama there, but that doesn't matter. They, they, they were, that's their, they were, they were what they were. They're not going to go get the top cornerback in the country from like Long Beach Poly. He's not coming to East Lansing, but they were getting all the other guys from Michigan, Ohio that like chewed on metal all day. And just went out. I mean, it's <laughs> breathe rivet dust. <laughs> See, chew metal. Then we, then he's got an offer. All right. Breathe rivet dust. Oh, Since my God. then <laughs> three and nine. 
They had a 10 and three season that looks like a dead cat bounce. <laughs> Seven and six. And now they're four and three after a 38 zip humiliation at Wisconsin. Red box bowl or bust for these guys. <laughs> the triumvirate of Rutgers, Maryland, and Illinois await the Big Ten Oasis. <laughs> so they're going to go seven and five. All right. After the game, Hondo Carpenter, longtime reporter up in Lansing, asked Antonio about the mounting criticisms. All anyone talks about, about how his offense is terrible because he refuses to change staff. He's not bringing in new coordinators, not bringing in new assistants. He's moved them to different jobs. There's too much loyalty. Play, play the uh, clip. Seven games in, was it a mistake to not bring in new offensive staff? And if not so, how do you fix it? Well, I don't think you talk. I don't think we ask those questions right now. We're six, seven, seven games into the schedule. I think that's sort of a dumb question, to be quite honest with you. Is that a fair question, Pat? We'll ask you that. I, for, I'll just say this. You're there to ask questions that the fans want answered. You're not there to ask questions to make the coach feel good when he's making $4.3 million a year. Like this is, you're getting paid like that. You answer this question. So terrible answer in my opinion, but what do you think Pat and should they prepare like retirement papers and set up an honorary associate athletic director's office for, for D'Antonio? Cause this can't continue. Yeah. It's a completely fair question and a completely garbage response. As you said, I mean, especially you're not there to make the coach feel comfortable when you've just gotten destroyed again by a quality team. Uh, you know, Hondo Carpenter is not, he, he is not known to be the most antagonistic of reporters towards Michigan State folks. So, you know, to go after him especially is, uh, is humorous, I would say. But it goes to show, no, that, that this is Mark D'Antonio's ego has gotten the better of him to have not changed his staff after the debacles that they have been offensively last year to have just moved some people around is purely that is a result of stubbornness and ego and saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm Mark D'Antonio. I built this place. Well, now Mark D'Antonio's tearing it back down. 24 and 21 since going to that playoff and not a pretty 24 and 21. They had, like you said, the one good season, but the rest of it has been garbage. Uh, shut out by a Wisconsin program. You should be better than. Blown off the field by an Ohio State program that you were on pretty equal footing with for several years, seven points at home against Arizona state. That's not good enough. That's absolutely not good enough. And if Mark D'Antonio can't handle that and can't make changes, yes, absolutely. If he doesn't want to change his staff, then change the head coach and change everybody else underneath after this, give him, give him his little office and send him on his way because Michigan state has only one. There's only one place to look at for the, the what's going on there. And it's at a coach who won't change times are changing. You got to change with them. So I'm going to play a little game. It's called Rank the Dumbasses. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's our kind of game. Let's find the biggest dumbass. Well, I'm going to rank first Mark D'Antonio because he just got steamrolled 38 nothing, and Michigan State has been miserable enough this season where we've expected them to roll over and play dead on offense. They weren't even a story. No one would be talking about him if he just went and grunted out his monotone cliches like he does the other 364 days a year. No one would have paid any notice. But old Mark got a little thin-skinned, cursed at a reporter who asked a perfectly legitimate question, therefore bringing himself and his $4.3 million retention bonus 
squarely into focus. So congratulations, Mark. You actually won something this weekend. Number two, dumbasses are Michigan State season ticket holders because they actually believed their coach would change the offense when he just simply shifted some titles around and, you know, maybe like moved some desk placards on his offensive staff, but kept the exact same uninspired playbook, the exact same uninspired coaches, the exact same identity. Like, like they might have like talked faster in meetings because that's the only tempo we've seen out of Michigan State this year. It's the same tired deal. And I feel bad for people. Those tickets are expensive. Like, and if you're showing up to watch that schlock, it's your fault at this point. Because if you believe Mark D'Antoni was going to change, there was a lot of empirical evidence that he wouldn't. And dumbass number three, Bill Beekman, who is the athletic director at Michigan State. But he's really not the athletic director. He's kind of like the guy they put in after the scandal to like take care of things for a little while. He's a little bit like a Mike Perrinish figure at Texas. And so there's zero chance that Bill Beekman is going to tell Mark D'Antonio to do anything. Clearly, because if he had any ounce of competency, he would have tapped him on the shoulder after last year and said, hey, Mark, you need to change your offense. But he didn't because he's Bill Beekman. Nobody knows who Bill Beekman is. He's unfit for that job because that job requires leadership and he doesn't have the stature or gravitas to do it. So Bill Beekman has an angry fan base and a bad team and Michigan State has a leadership problem. So we'll see what happens soon is if Michigan State's new president and the higher ups at the university realize the leadership void, realize they need to make changes because they have to go get a new athletic director first. So anyway, that's how I would rank the dumbasses. And there's a lot of ranking to go around. Wow. What a game. Rank the dumb. I'm going to put this into my daily life. <laughs> Pretty much every scenario of my life, I'm going to be like, all right, get my kids together. We're going to rank the dumbasses yeah. now. Kids carpool line. Rank oh, yeah. the dumbasses. Rank yeah. the dumbasses. This is, this is everything I've been waiting for. We're going to have this on a reoccurring basis on the show. Yeah, right. Rank yes. the dumbass. It, and I think our listeners should rank us too. Uh, you know, feel free to put that uh, on. Put that on social media. I want to take uh, umbrage with your ranking system, though. Okay. Bill Beekman. Okay, you can you can you can rank him there for an unqualified guy with a job and a paycheck he doesn't merit. But I consider that a life goal. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just aiming to become bowl reps with like obnoxious coats. <laughs> I will happily be Michigan State's highly paid and completely unqualified <laughs> athletic director. <laughs> this is what I want. I don't I look at him as an American hero, not a, <laughs> an idiot. He's like, yeah, I have no power. I have no no ability. No one wants to listen to me. No one knows who I am. I bet they're paying him. Yeah, they are. I just Googled See? it. $750,000 a year. Wow. Uh, eligible for yeah, maximum get, yearly bonus of $100,000 a year. So give, you're me, right. give me that four-year contract and I'll screw up Michigan State too. Yeah. 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 So he is one smart idiot. And he, yeah, he's going to get a bonus when they beat Rutgers and Maryland and become bowl eligible. Like, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. Right. Congratulations. Yeah, right. You, you did a great yeah. job. Rutgers sucks so bad that you can't possibly lose to them. Well, here's another wow. thing, too. There's been some good reporting on ESPN by ESPN on this. Mark D'Antonio is going to have to give a deposition at the end of the season re- regarding this Curtis Blackwell case that ties to uh, a player right. he recruited mm. who had a history of sexual assault, who then went to Michigan State and allegedly committed sexual assault. So, um, you know, it, it, in terms of like the week to drop the dumbass question bomb, probably not the same week when you're about to be compelled to go testify 
uh, you know, amid a scandal that could cost you your career. Really not smart by Mark in a lot of ways this week. I think Michigan State would be pretty, might wind up being happier if that testimony is done by the ex-football coach. I just think it's time. Uh, yeah. For many reasons, it's just time. Mark, he did incredible work there, but yeah. he built up a great program. But right now it is, it is uh, rotting from within. And it's, it's, it's sad because I uh, always liked, uh, always liked Michigan State. I'll tell you the, the thing that, sticks with me about Michigan State. This is pro- not the reason they aren't good. It's because they're their offense. They have good enough players. But I always thought Benny Snell. Benny Snell played at Kentucky. He was a Spartan. Benny Snell is from Columbus, a guy that nobody wanted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Ohio State didn't want. Michigan State didn't offer him. They should have offered that kid. That kid was a Spartan. And when guys mm-hmm. like that started going to Kentucky, Kentucky actually got pretty good. Yeah. And I don't know what happened, but, and obviously it's happened in the middle of while they were doing well, but they didn't keep up with the recruiting that built those six years because that's the kind of guy they didn't miss on. And it was like, what, who is this three star that nobody, we had to beat uh, Toledo and, uh, and, and Miami. Yeah. And then you're like, God is an NFL running back. Instead, Kentucky got him. And, uh, it just that's it's not the, it's a symbol of it, I guess. I don't know, but the, the team has got huge struggles. Like I said, they're going to end up seven and five at least, and they might still be able to meet Michigan. They'll come up for that game or something. We'll see. But this is not the year that that Michigan State wanted, and it'll be a everyone in the Big Ten with a pulse is going to have a good record because the bottom is just garbage. I mean, it is it's unbelievable how bad. Yeah, so it's a wildly divided league right now. I mean, if you look out of the 14 teams, there's like what, maybe four happy fan bases. The uh you know, the the undefeated teams, undefeated team, yeah. which is three more than the ACC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but everybody else is pissed, man. I mean, everybody else is like, "What's wrong with our team?" I mean, Northwestern's awful. Michigan State's awful. Uh Nebraska is a complete fraud. Rutgers is maybe the worst power five team. Actually, there's no maybe. They are the worst power five team in America. Go, you can go on and on. It's There's a lot of bad football in that league. Best right stat now. I've seen on Wisconsin is their defense has uh, allowed four touchdowns, and they've scored, and they've scored four scored touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> net zero. Yeah. A net zero defense. Um, let me tell you how bad Rutgers is. They didn't just lose 35 zip to Indiana on Saturday. They had one passing yard. Passing attack gained one yard. <laughs> Oon. Oon yard. That Nunzio is... Capanelli is the interim coach. He Campanelli, said, quote, yeah. that's almost impossible. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> the amazing part of this one yard, <laughs> one yard. Yeah. Johnny Langan, their quarterback, actually completed five passes. <laughs> right, right. Five for 13 <laughs> for one yard. He had a four-yarder. He had a minus three. He had a minus two. That was negative yards. Then he had a plus three. Then he had a negative one. That was it. His five. Passed a Bo Melton for one yard. Got him the one. That was it. First four passes went to zero. The yeah. great Rob Daniels uh, used to work in Greensboro paper and uh, has done some ACC work. He's, he's a stat savant. He sent me a couple on, on Rutgers here. Says the first time this century, at least, that a team netted so few yards. 
on. He sent me a couple on, on Rutgers here. Says the first time this century, at least, that a team netted so few yards on multiple completions and that Rutgers has scored less, t- 10 or fewer points in seven straight Big Ten games. First Big Ten team to do that since 1962. So that's how bad they are. And this is in an era where, you know, like offense is generally holding sway. That is Rob put it. Oh, the, but, but, but the cable households from Atlantic City to Stanford. <laughs> Total disaster. <laughs> well, the, the only winner like, here is uh, all of us because we get to read Steve Politi's columns. And uh, he, had a, <laughs> he had a gem uh, I read on my flight back uh, from Dallas. And uh, <laughs> among among the many lines, he, I mean, how do you write like Rutgers needs to hire Greg Shiano or Rutgers needs change? Or Rutgers, <laughs> like, there's no way to do it. But the, the best line was a subtle one. He was talking about Nunzio Campanelli, one of the three Campanelli brothers who were football coaches. His brother, Anthony, is uh, the DB coach at Michigan. And he said Nunzio was known for innovative schemes at Bergen Catholic, which is great <laughs> if you're trying to be Paramus Catholic. <laughs> Probably not. Like, because when they fired the OC McNulty, it was a little bit like, well, who's going to call the plays? Like, all right, the offense stunk, but like, He's still a guy who's been like an offensive coordinator in major college football, and he's coaching the NFL. Like, he kind of knows what he's doing. You know, like, again, you can't make chicken salad, yada, yada, yada. But, like, it was sort of like, oh, what are they going to do? So they're going to try a little try a little Bergen Catholic flair. Hasn't hasn't seemed to uh, progress forward. One, One yard. passing yard. Against yeah. Indiana. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they were not playing that Wisconsin defense. They were playing Indiana. Oh, God, they don't play Wisconsin, do they? Uh, hold on. I'll tell you the, the big but, yeah, 10 if, adding, if they Rutgers, do, I want to go cover it just to see if they can get a first down. They do not play Wisconsin. Be. Rutgers last three games are Ohio state, Michigan state at Penn state. They will, they will not score in those games. Oh, just, just write uh, down the shutouts right now. Now the one yard, uh, excellent work by our Nick Bromberg. He pointed out that in, in 2005, Memphis had negative three yards. Mm. They were one of eight, so they completed one pass for a negative three yards against in a game against Marshall. Yet they won the game. Wow. <laughs> wow. I would have thought it would have been a military academy, right? Like you know, was you it? See, yeah, was it uh, played yeah. in like a hurricane? I think something? they've had no passing and stuff like that. But uh, no, that, they, that's two words: D'Angelo Williams yeah, era. Two words: D'Angelo Williams. Yeah, yeah, twenty-seven okay. carries, hundred twenty-seven yards, two TDs. They rushed for like two fifty-six. Yeah, just hand the ball off. Like, all right, we're not, yeah, we yeah. can't pass, no problem. D'Angelo so, Williams was actually the only player in that program for a decade. That's how I guess that. True. He had all 85 scholarships. <laughs> all right. One last note here. Um, before the game against Iowa, we're a little Big Ten heavy here, although we talked to all the other schools earlier, but Big Ten's making the news, good or bad. Penn State, they the Penn State players took the field at Iowa wearing mm-hmm. shirts that supported their teammate, Jonathan Sutherland. I think everyone listening to this knows Sutherland got a – a letter from this guy in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. He's a Penn, said he's a Penn State fan and he likes the team, but he does not like Sutherland and the other players having dreadlocks. So the players, you know, John's, Johnstown, I guess say this about Johnstown, sacred ground for all sports fans because it's where they filmed the movie Slapshot. <laughs> really, that's a, yeah. Johnstown's real. It's one of the great sports movies of all time. Rank it right behind Glory Road. 
think. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you also rank your, yourself nice right plug. behind, like you know, Tom Cruise for most handsome American, you, right? You rank got the Godfather behind. Glory Road. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everyone read it. The, the letter was ridiculous, but this is what is out there. Players took the field with shirts that said "Chains, Tattoos, Dreads, and We Are," which is kind of the Penn State battle cry. If you're unfamiliar, we are Penn State. Penn State staff members made them take it off. James Franklin said he was not pleased with the decision because they didn't discuss it with him first, the players. I wasn't sure whether the team, had, uh, it's kind of unusual. Team basically said they want him wearing their uniform, the university issued pregame warmups and all that. What do you make of this thing? I, pretty rare that players will kind of jump up like that these days. I, I kind of applaud the spirit and I don't know anyone who's on the side of this clown in Johnstown doing it pretty well unilaterally. And that's of course where, you know, coaches, coaches do not like unilateral movements of any kind. They, you know, they, they want control over everything. And I, I did that said to, to I, I don't necessarily blame them for wanting at least some input or some knowledge of that of, in this case, but yeah, I'm fine with the shirts and I am fine for sticking up for your teammate. And uh, you know, that the guy that sent the letters, pathetic and uh i think you know probably speaks to a window of american society that's out there that sometimes you you you, you forget how bad it can be as far as the uh the outlook towards especially towards young african-american males and uh so i'm fine with them sticking up for their teammate in this instance yeah i give franklin credit he addressed it at the opening of his press conference uh, a couple days ago going into the game basically you know in a really, I thought it was a, a poignant statement. The football that I know and love brings people together and embraces differences. Black, white, brown, Catholic, Jewish, or Muslim. Rich or poor, rural or urban, Republican or Democrat. Long hair, short hair, no hair. They're all in that locker room together. 110,000 fans from all different backgrounds throughout our region, from all different parts of the state, and they're hugging and high-fiving and singing Sweet Caroline together. Jonathan Sutherland is one of the most respected players in our program. He's the ultimate example of what our program is all about. He's a captain. He's a Dean's List honor student. He's confident, he's articulate, he's intelligent, he's thoughtful, he's caring, and he's committed. He's got two of the most supportive parents, and I would be so blessed if my daughters would marry someone with his character and integrity one day. From Franklin's perspective, he handled it well. Now, they asked the players to remove the shirts out of, quote, an abundance of caution from what I read on on Twitter Saturday night. Now, some of that was like I think a bar made the shirts. And so there's like a bar logo. It could be a sponsorship right, thing. Right, and right. Yeah, it's like all NC, all NCAA nonsense. But, you know, I, I tip my cap to James Franklin for not ignoring this, for not admonishing the guys for doing it and say, saying their piece. And uh, I, I thought he uh, he addressed it really well. Other like an NCAA violation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, try trying to go, j- jump up against racism, and you you end up yeah. in a violation. Yeah. yeah. All right. Most people uh, award the Heisman at the end of the year, but we don't. We can't wait, so we give it out every single week. So let's do it. Small sample Heisman time. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How 
How about that? All right, Pat, who won the Heisman this week? One week performance merits the Heisman. Uh, I'm going with defense, baby. Uh, I'm going with Wisconsin. And I am going with Zach Bond, the linebacker, who had a pick six, a heck of a pick six, stuck a hand up, grabbed the ball, took off the other way, scored the touchdown. One of the, as you mentioned, four defensive touchdowns for uh, Wisconsin this season. Uh, you know, you can give it to like 10 different guys on that defense, but I'm giving it to Zach Bond because he had the most uh, exciting single play of the game. And I'm going with defense because we never do. So, Zach Bond, small sample Heisman, Wisconsin. All right, Pete, who wins the small sample Heisman? I am going to give it to Evan Conley, the quarterback from Louisville. Freshman came off the bench after an injury last night to lead Louisville to one of the most ridiculous games I've ever had the pleasure to watch. They won 62-59 in regulation against Wake Forest at Wake Forest, upsetting a top-20 team on uh, late Saturday night. Conley had 196 yards, two touchdowns, and uh, just led a persistently blistering attack. Don't look now, but Louisville is 2-1 and one in the ACC. They've won four games overall. Yeah, the Cardinals are probably going to go bowling, and the the faint whiffs of the Bobby Petrino era are being exhumed from Pat City. <laughs> hey, Evan Conley is a third-string quarterback who was only recruited because they needed one more guy. He was going to go to App State with uh, with Scott Satterfield, and they switched him over there. I mean, so that like what he's doing is uh, is unbelievable. Scott Satterfield is the goods. All right, well, my small sample Heisman goes even deeper on the quarterback depth chart. Lynn Bowden. Kentucky. Good one. Bluegrass heavy. We are bluegrass heavy. Who knew? Not really good teams there this year either, but they're winning two Heismans. All the QBs were injured for Kentucky. So uh, they turned to Bowden, who was a wide receiver, but he was a quarterback at uh, Warren, Ohio, Harding High. They move him in. They give him the job. Uh, 24-20 win over Arkansas. He was 7 of 11 passing for 78 yards and a touchdown. Rushed for 196 and two scores. Good 24-yard TD run at the end of the game, about six, seven minutes left. Uh, that was kind of the game winner for the Wildcats. They got the three and three. Good job when you're not even the quarterback and you, uh, let's see, you you did 78 times better than the Rutgers quarterback, who was a quarterback. Uh, I think you win the Heisman. <laughs> it's a pretty high bar you're holding them up to. Yeah. All right. We said a lot of mean things. On this podcast, as always, we're not nice people, but we try once a week to do something nice. Pete Thamel, say something nice. Yeah, I'm going to say something nice about uh, the Oregon Ducks and Mario Cristobal. I was obviously very critical of Cristobal uh, opening the season when they squandered that 21-6 lead to Auburn in the opener, gave him a loss, but they just boat raced Colorado 45-3, to and since that loss, the the Ducks are on a roll. They're 5-1. and one. They're heavy favorites to win the Pac-12, and they have, uh, they've rebounded really nicely. So I'm going to say something nice about the Ducks getting back in gear and, uh, you know, get, getting the program out to the front of the Pac-12. Pat, say something nice. I'm going to say something nice about the uh, program that I've probably said the most mean things about this season. Tennessee! Woo! They won! Woo! They Woo! won a game against an FBS opponent, against an SEC opponent. Sully's a happy man. Our 
podcast producer because Tennessee beat Mississippi State 20 to 10, held the Bulldogs 267 yards, the 10 points, uh, and they get their first SEC victory since November 10th, 2018. Good job, Vols. Way to finally not suck. Do your <laughs> civic duty, man. <laughs> what if this means that Coach Pruitt is there for a little longer? Well, they might have to live with that. That's, you know. That's, Sully, that's can they the- get to six? Oh, let's see. UAB, uh, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt don't look all that hot. Got to split Mizzou and South Carolina. Ooh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really close. What is like the 6-6 six and six SEC bowl game? Tennessee's going to get a jump because it's been a while and that fan base travels really well, but it's probably still going to be the Liberty Bowl. Maybe uh, maybe if, if Tennessee makes the Liberty Bowl, we do a, uh, we do a pod road trip. <laughs> go, let's go get some ribs, boys. Can you imagine <laughs> traveling with the Tennessee volunteers <laughs> to a bowl game? This what? team. This Tennessee team, you're if they like, get to six and six, gotta do it. Gotta oh do it. Gosh. Blow the vacation. Wow. Spend gonna... your vacation money on something else. <laughs> play like the third place AAC team. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> just play Temple. I mean, good God, who would who would travel with a six and six team? Sully, would you fly to that game? Spend your own money and go? No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm gonna say something <laughs> nice about UNLV. Yeah. Rebels defeated Ooh. Vanderbilt this weekend. A real SEC team. They're in the league on the road. UNLV, I don't know if Tony Sanchez survives the season. I don't know if he should. Uh, UNLV is now two and four. This is his fifth year. He's never won more than five games, but he was hired directly as a high school. He was a high school coach at Vegas Powerhouse Bishop Gorman. Almost every time I'm in Vegas for either a UFC or boxing match, I go over to UNLV and talk to Tony Sanchez. Good guy. Brutal. First time I was there, like the facilities were truly, I would call them high school like, but Gorman had better facilities. So it wasn't even as good. UNLV did not have the best facilities in its own town. That's how bad it was. They do now have the Fertitta football complex, which is nice. And that is part because uh, Sanchez got it built. Uh, I don't know whether this uh, rebounds the program, if they get some momentum going, or if he stays. But for one good night, the, the high school coach gamble worked out, and UNLV beat Vanderbilt, an SEC team, hard-carrying members. So congratulations to the running Rebels. All right, that's our podcast. We will uh, talk to you all Wednesday morning, sometimes right at midnight after uh, Tuesday, 12.01. Sully's been working hard. We'll have it up. Look into week eight. Keep subscribing, leaving messages, and uh, share with your friends and on social media. Talk to you soon. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.